You know how every year in training camp, there's one, two, three, even more names that come up that you either never heard of or you just barely gotten a whiff of, and they end up making a real impression. I'm going to give a preemptive look at who three of those might be, one from each of the team's phases. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of TK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Yeah, of course, when they take the field and they start doing the drills and even the the simple running stuff, the simple route running and execution level passing, which is principally what we saw in OTAs and minicamp, all eyes are going to be on the quarterbacks. Beyond that, all eyes are going to be on the ones you recognize, the ones you know, the ones who are going to start. But it's funny how every summer, especially once the preseason games start, what we all tend to actually talk about is who's the latest Tuzar skipper. Now, Tuzar is in this camp, the real Tuzar. So he gets to hold that distinction again this year, meaning of being Tuzar in his third tour with the team as he tries yet again to make the roster. But we now know him. We know who he is because he had his own moment of rising up in a camp slash preseason setting. Who will be that this year? Well, I'm going to start Cameron Nizelic, and you have no idea who this is. There's no way you could or should know who this is. But he's a punter, and he's a punter who's got a little bit of NFL experience. And if anyone remembers how Presley Harvin III finished out his rookie season, with all due respect to the family tragedy, it mostly didn't go very well. For the young man. Now, here's hoping for all kinds of reasons that it does, that he bounces back. But the Steelers aren't taking for granted that he will, and neither should any of us. Sometimes when a player gets brought in, extra kicker, extra punter, they're referred to commonly as a camp leg. That's not who this is. The poor young man wasting everyone's time coming in to alternate place kicks with Chris Boswell, that's a camp leg. Not in this case. Nizalik was an effective, occasionally powerful punter at Georgia. Now, he doesn't have Harvin's leg because most people don't. But Harvin had a lot of issues beyond the length of his punts. He struggled with direction. He struggled with simple execution at times. The, the shanks that occurred. You will see this issue come way more to the front than it's been over this offseason. I guarantee you this, once the team gets to Latrobe, and especially once they start getting into the exhibitions, you'll see head-to-head measurements of the punts, head-to-head evaluations of their effectiveness. And if it doesn't go well for Harvin, no, don't be thinking about a wasted draft pick, because I can promise you that the Steelers won't be. They'll make a change. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Here's another name, Matteo Durant. And for those of you who've been bugging me for weeks now to talk about him, here it is. I'm sticking him right in the middle of these three names that nobody's heard of other than those of you who've been bugging me. He is a running back out of Duke. The Steelers like him, even though he went undrafted. And as proof of that, they gave him a $15,000 signing bonus. That's not only unusual across the league, it's the most in franchise history. He ran a 4.38 40-yard dash at his pro day at Duke. And he's pretty good at a lot of things, including catching the ball out of the backfield. If you think about the way preseason games go, especially the second halves of preseason games, what are we watching? Right, the running backs, meaning for either team. You don't see a whole lot of passing. You don't see a whole lot of trickery and gadgetry because nobody wants to show their playbook in those games. You see this guy running against that guy trying to tackle, which is why running backs tend to draw the attention that they do in preseason. Again, not just talking about Pittsburgh, but around the league. Those are the players that we talk about because they have an opportunity to shine, and when they do break them, they're going to make it onto the highlights. We'll see how it goes with Durant. All I'll say about him and his situation is that if he's competing for the backup running back's job, and I'm not suggesting that he is, All he's got to do is beat out Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane. If that sounds mean, so be it. I'm not the one who went out there and didn't impress the coaches. So I did special teams. I did offense. Here's defense. This player might end up being a starter, and that's DeMonte Casey, the safety. Now, he really doesn't fit in with these other names that are here. He's been in the National Football League. He can play either safety spot. He's better at free safety. He can even move up into the slot. So that offers him a lot of options to be kind of like this year's Trey Norwood. Maybe a bit of an upgrade on Trey because Trey's not all that fast. But here's what you need to know about KZ and his circumstance right now. If the Steelers really, really, really thought a lot of Terrell Edmonds, why did they wait and wait? And wait, was it just to get his price down? I mean, they did succeed in doing that, but there had to be something more to it. If they valued him as the default starter after he'd spent all the time that he already has next to Minka Fitzpatrick, then why did they risk that someone else could have come along and just snatch Edmonds away for, you know, an additional dime on top of what little they were offering. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I appreciate T.E. more than most. I I think he's largely labeled by the fan base because he was a first-round pick, and a lot of the fans think that every safety that's taken in the first round needs to be either Troy or Troy Light, and, you know, that's just not how it goes. 
and I appreciate also that TE's approach to this through OTAs and minicamp, including with the spoken word, was that he's going to win the job back. He knows he's being put into a duel. Again, not many people have been talking about this. I never hear anybody bring up KZ's name. He just might be your starting safety when we come back. J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped. Not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from Richard Hilwig, who asks, how do you think the Steelers' secondary will perform this season? When you look at it, the only guy I can say is 100% good is Minka, and especially in the age of the NFL now, the secondary has to be Better than good to stop the pass-heavy teams like the Chiefs, Bills, the Chargers. And Richard, you don't even mention the Bengals right there in your own division. I think if there's one team that the Steelers would have to be the most concerned about in terms of having their secondary really fan out and cover a lot of different receiving threats, Cincinnati should probably top that list and of course they're the very first team you face and the only one out of your list there that they face twice my answer at the risk of kind of regurgitating that last part of the opening segment is that I'll feel a lot better about it when I see how the safeties break down I don't think it's possible to have watched Akello Witherspoon in the second half of last season and think, man, he's going to be overmatched out there. He can still get exposed. All outside corners can. But I really liked a lot of his game, even beyond the obvious splash stuff that he generated, which, by the way, when he generated it, really made him stand out. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't coming from anybody else back there, including Minka. Levi Wallace is a guy the Steelers really liked a lot of teams really liked because of the way he came up through the Bills, having been not just undrafted, but also a walk-on in college. He's a guy that's made himself into an NFL starter. He's gone about it honestly, and he's gone about it in a way that he treats every snap as if he's lucky to be partaking in it. That's a nice thing to carry with you. Think Mike Hilton, right? But on top of that, and this is probably all you need to know from the evaluation standpoint that the Steelers had, is that they like Wallace enough to feel comfortable moving Cam Sutton back to the inside. Remember the whole big fuss before Cam signed his extension about how uh, he wanted to be an outside guy because that's where they get paid. He'd be willing to go wherever it is that the Steelers want. Well, he's still saying a lot of those things. 
and that's fine. That's a team player. But the more important thing is that the Steelers saw someone they clearly felt was an upgrade out there. And I didn't think Cam was all that bad, right? The safeties, though, and this includes Minka, that's going to be a much, much harder thing to gauge, especially when comparing it back to 2021. And the reason for that should be obvious. Those guys, Minka and T.E., were moved way up to the line of scrimmage about halfway through the season because nobody up there could stop the run. All of the tackles, do you remember this? It got comical at one point. All of the tackles were being made by the bleeping safeties. So do we know how the safeties can perform when they're just back to playing safety again? I have no idea. I do know that I liked it a lot better when Minka was free to roam and use his ball hawking sense and everything else to go after tips and deflections and reading the quarterback's eyes. But none of that could happen while he was up there basically functioning as a de facto linebacker. The same thing you'll recall happened with Troy in his final season. A lot of people maybe. Uh, unfairly thought, well, Troy's just really lost it. Look at Troy. He doesn't look like himself. Of course he doesn't look like himself. They had him up at the line of scrimmage. So I I don't know is my best answer to you. I I do feel confident in the corners. I obviously feel confident in the God-given ability that Minka's got. But how that's all going to shake out, and I didn't even get into the, the inside guys, Especially now that Cam's in there, is Arthur Mallette still going to be able to keep his job? I don't know. What does happen to Norwood? Is he just going to be a special teams guy? Is he going to get back out there? I don't know. There are a lot of question marks out there, but there's also three or four, maybe even five guys that you feel pretty good about from an individual talent standpoint. And that's always a nice place to start. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Can you hear in my voice that we're getting that much closer to real football? Let's do this. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.